Welcome to the Poultry Health Today podcast, where we talk all health, all the time. Here, engaging interviews with today's leading industry experts. Hosted by Poultry Health Today editors, podcast episodes highlight the latest ideas, insights, and advice to improve poultry health, welfare, performance, and food safety. Hi, this is Carly Feeks from Poultry Health Today. And today we are going to be discussing new strategies in coccidiosis management. And joining me is Dr. Phil Steyer, the corporate veterinarian at Sanderson Farms. Welcome, Phil. Thank you. Glad to be here. Have you seen any changes in coccidiosis among broiler flocks in recent years? Uh, in the presentation, for instance, or the type of imeria that's most often involved? Or is it the same old problem? I would say it's the same old problem and it's a moving target at the same time. It's the same species coming at you different ways, different seasons. Uh, the tools that we have have changed through the years over the decades. I've lost some good tools. We gained some other tools. So it is a, a constant battle against this organism. And it's been that way for 30 years. And is subclinical coccidiosis the major problem or do you see uh, clinical coccidiosis these days? I would say subclinical is the major problem in terms of uh, feed efficiency, especially. Uh, we do have clinical manifestations, but that's rare. What's your approach to detection of subclinical coccidiosis? For instance, how often are you posting sessions conducted? And do you have any tips for making the most of these sessions? As a company, we've made a commitment to looking at our broilers about every six to eight weeks on a, uh, we call them a health survey rather than a posting session. We're looking at everything in the bird, but primarily for coccidiosis. And these uh, sessions are taking samples, very small samples of the population and looking at the uh, inside of the animal before the animal goes to, to the plant becomes a number. So that's where the necropsy sessions come in, uh, taking a population that looks to be normal and look for subclinical disease and looking for something. Can we find it before it hurts the animal? You mentioned in one of your articles for Poultry Health Today that you tend to use vaccines in summer months and that vaccination not followed by an in-feed uh, anti-coccidial didn't work as well. Did you mean that performance wasn't as good and how so? Exactly so. Um, you know, we would say the more uh, classic measure for us is going to be feed efficiency and growth rate. And so those numbers are watched very closely, you know, being a large organization. We've saw without the combination of vaccine and in-feed uh, control, uh, there was a less performance than using both together. Do you have any tips to ensure that all chicks get the vaccine at the hatchery? I wish I had that answer. Current technology is definitely limited that way, and you do the best you can with what you have. So there are different uh, applications or methods are all very similar in terms of spray, but the cabinets are different in easier they use, to use, easier to clean, more likely to be done right. And then uh, having supplier accountability. Uh, if you're buying a vaccine from a particular manufacturer, uh, we require them to be in our hatcheries regularly to make sure that administration of their product is not an issue, that we are doing the best job we can getting the vaccine to our animals. Uh, what about in winter? What's your approach to coccidiosis control? In the last two winters, we moved to keeping the program year round. So we are using now uh, vaccines and in-feed control. Um, that seems to be working well for us. They still have the same management issues in wintertime and summertime of getting the birds turned out in a timely manner to get the osis uh, spread throughout the house. And that's always been a challenge in wintertime. We hear a lot about the importance of good overall immunity 
regarding control of a multitude of infectious diseases. Is good overall immunity just as important for control of coccidiosis? And how is that achieved with vaccination against immunosuppressive diseases like Merrick's or infectious bursal disease? I would say vaccines are an important part of immune support. But uh, first thing of greater importance is uh, taking care of the animals, uh, animal well-being, uh, providing the best environment possible, uh, providing the best temperatures, air quality, water availability, feed availability. Uh, I think we do those things well at Sanderson Farms, and that helps us then support the animal uh, coccidiosis or any other uh, challenge. And we do use the other vaccines as well, um, infectious bursal disease and Merrick's disease, but we don't rely on them as much as we rely on good animal husbandry. We understand that some companies that were on no antibiotics ever programs are now rethinking that strategy and moving a small percentage of their birds back to conventional production. That means they will have the option of using ionophores again. What advice do you have for reintroducing ionophores to coccidiosis control programs? I guess our adventure off of ionophores has been rather short, brief. Um, we have at times not used ionophores when we had three nitro in the vaccines. We've used in-feed non-ionophore uh, anticoccidials and then moved back to ionophores. So there have been transitions. Like with any movement um, from one program to another, and I would say feed uh, uh, ingredients and anything else, there could be an upset of the intestinal flora. And so your first couple of weeks on one program to another program may not really indicate how well that program will eventually work. So I guess patience, if you can have patience, but uh, if you have good reason to think that another program is better, uh, you may not see that better until maybe uh, after the first cycle on the new program. If using ionophores again, how can we as an industry maintain good efficacy of ionophores? Ionophores are slow to develop resistance. So that innately, um, because they don't completely cut off all the coccidia, uh, there's gonna be, the old story was leakage, but there's gonna be some immunity assistance with the ionophores. But in time, there will be a, a tolerance of the species in the house. And then adding the vaccines, and most of the vaccines came from more naive or unexposed uh, sources, so that the uh, imeria that we're introducing are, should be drug sensitive. And by reintroducing them each cycle, there's some thought that may help keep the onophores persistent as well. So the rotation may not be as important uh, now as it used to be if you're using a bio shuttle, the vaccine with the onophore. But uh, wonder at times if we don't need to make a change sometimes between onophores, maybe not within a year, but maybe over years. Would you expect them to be more effective if they haven't been used for the last couple of years? They should be. And each onophore has its strengths and weaknesses. And so if you've not used a particular onophore, it should show its strengths better uh, when you go back to it. Uh, to say that you'll see it at every time and every location, that's probably a misconception. Uh, I have seen myself the geographical differences uh, in responses to onophores, in particular, and coccidiosis challenges as well. Drier environs need less control and maybe can use other products better than a more damp environment. How would you go about maintaining efficacy? Well, we do that several ways. Um, again, we have a program, then we watch it. We'll see what the birds tell us every six to eight weeks we're doing the uh, necropsy sessions. Um, and then we do ASTs, anticoccidial sensitivity test. And that works within class. So you can, can, can compare one ionophore to another ionophore 
and see how they look like in a battery cage, which is an artificial environment. But uh, side by side, you can see the particular species or isolates that you have from your litter. How does that each product work in that environment? And then we have done ourselves some paired house studies uh, with your current program versus some other options. And then you'll see those flocks as they go through, did they perform as well or better than uh, your ongoing program? And if there's some hope there, then there might be some hope that you can make a change and, and get some sensitivity back. Lastly, do you see the approach to coccidiosis control changing in the future or probably not? I think with our current tools, I don't see a lot of changes on, on the horizon, but getting the vaccine to every bird, that's to me is a limitation right now. With our current technology, we can figure out a better way to get every bird exposed. We spray a box of 100. We know not 100 birds get an even dose. If we get every bird a uniform dose, uh, I think we'd be ahead of the game. But that to me is the next step, the next technological step in terms of besides vaccines and in-feed control, I don't, I don't see something down the pipeline just yet. Thanks for listening to the Poultry Health Today podcast. To get the latest news and interviews delivered to your inbox twice a week, subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting poultryhealthtoday.com slash join.